I heard a statement last week that really got me uh, thinking about our lives and how we compartmentalize so much of what we do and what we experience. And I want to talk through this concept because uh, I think I think we are finding ourselves falling into a very um, deceptive attack from the enemy, and we almost don't even realize that we're falling into it because it's so natural to do. It's so it's so easy to do. Uh, so tonight, as we as we get into the word, I want to talk to you about living with an integrated faith. Integrated faith. Okay. Now. Um, I thought a lot about this and, and, and how, to, how to spin it and how to bring it out. And so if it doesn't make sense, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, um, but I want to talk about this, and I'll also preface this by warning my wife that I made a few graphics that she did not see and she did not approve of. She is not going to like them because I made them in Microsoft Paint, okay? Any other Microsoft Paint wizards in here? Man, I can play with some paint. It's fun. Um, that's where I usually get in trouble. But, um, so we're, we're going to talk about this idea of, of integrated faith because I think what's happened is we've gotten very good at organizing and compartmentalizing our lives, where things go, where they need to stay and making sure that they don't ever mingle. Right. And it's easy to find ourselves doing that because that's what the world often tells us to do, right? You got to, you know, um, even, even within jobs, right? Well, don't bring your personal life to your work life, right? Or, or vice versa, don't bring your work home and like all these things, right? We, we have constantly heard these things that say, hey, don't do this. And let me just uh, explain something to you right now. Your life is your life, okay? And we're falling into this trap where we're starting to compartmentalize almost everything that we do, and faith is a big piece of that. We're shoving it in its own little corner, and we're only allowing ourselves to access it in a specific moment, for a specific reason, for whatever it may be. And I believe too many of us have fallen victim into living this type of life. I think there are so many people that if you look, there are sometimes you may find that there's a, a at-work you, there's an at-church you, there's an on Friday night you. <laughs> There's an old friends in town you, right? There's a pastor's house you. <laughs> Man, <laughs> everyone's great when they come over. I don't, I don't see any problems. Um, but we, we see this happen so often. The challenge with that is, let me, let me tell you, it is exhausting trying to be something else all the time. It's absolutely exhausting. Um, and it's, what's funny about it is you don't, you don't notice exhaustion. It's like when I first started, um, uh, working a desk job, um, I was like, this is going to be amazing. Okay. Cause before then I was, I was always out in the heat. I can remember when I, when I worked landscaping and there was a hill and I actually drive, um, we, we mowed a lot of public storage facilities. And if you're not familiar with them, they're horrible to mow. Okay. First off, they've got fencing everywhere. That's all weed eating people. Okay. And then they've got these gravel lots that grass tries to grow up in kind of like what we've got out here and you got to keep mowing the gravel. It's not, it's, it's horrible. But there was this one place that had a hill like I had never seen in my life. And I'm a kind of a creative guy when I try to solve problems. And so I'll try anything. And so I, I was weed eating it forever. Like I would weed eat it and weed eat it. And that was just, it was my easiest way of doing it. And one day I was looking at this big hill because it's huge. And I was like, what if, I, what if I ran a push mower down it and then pulled the push mower back up with rope? It's not a good idea to play with large rope 
when there's a blade spinning underneath it, because you got to think of mine, I had to, I had to clamp the mower on so it would keep running when it got away from me, right? Because they got these security things. It was not a good idea. Um, but, but when I first started working a desk job, you know, I was thinking, okay, great. I don't have to mow that huge ditch anymore, right? I'm going to be okay. But I also thought, man, I'm going to have so much energy now. Like, I'm going to go home, and I'm not going to be exhausted. I'm not going to be tired. And then all of a sudden, I learned about this thing about how you could become mentally exhausted from staring at computer screens and from doing this thing. And I'll tell you, myself personally, I would rather be physically exhausted any day of the week. I, w- I, I like doing that, right? Uh, but when you go home and you're just mentally tired and you just want to shut off, what's interesting about that is so many people are trying to live so many different types of lives that they're getting absolutely drained and they're not able to really live the, guy that, the, the life that God has purposed for them. It's because you're trying to be everything to every single person that you come into and the whole time you may be forsaking what God has spoken for your life, okay? Uh, this, this whole segmentation of our life, it's problematic. So I'm gonna ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter five. This is gonna be a, a familiar passage. Um, you know, I think they uh, wrote a song about it that we might talk about, but um, this is a, a very familiar passage. We're gonna read verses 13 through verse 16 in Matthew chapter five, and this is what it says. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. I, I, I'm telling you, when I read that in my spirit, I just begin asking myself, am I, am I being the light of the world. Like when people look at me, when people encounter me, what are they encountering? What are they experiencing? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Now, this isn't a foreign scripture, right? You, many of you have, have probably heard it from Sunday school, right? Um, but you remember this, this little song, right? This, lo, this little light of mine, right? I'm gonna what? This little light of mine, I'm gonna? I could do this over and over. It's just fun to make you guys do it honestly for me. Um, We sing that song, we read that scripture, but yet we find ourselves listening to the rules of the word, uh, the world to dampen what we're actually supposed to be doing. It is too easy to fall victim into this lie that, hey, you can't, you can't say that. (laughs) If you say that, there's this, there's this little what if voice that I hate in my life. Um, I know people who hear it a lot more than I do, um, and I usually don't hear it because I'm talking so much in my head that I can't hear it. Uh, but this, this, this voice that limits what we're supposed to do. We find ourselves consumed by maybe our guilt or our sin or our shame or our lack, lack of holiness so to where we are not actually allowing our light to shine. Why? Well, some people are worried that if people know that I believe and they see how jacked up I am, they're not going to want anything to do with Jesus. And so we use excuses like that 
to, to validate our reasoning for not being outward about our love for Jesus. That's not an excuse, right? That's not an excuse. See, we've, we've allowed the light to be smothered by a couple of things. We've allowed it to be smothered by our own lack of holiness, okay? Because we've chosen not to follow the word, because we've chosen not to do what it said, because we've, we've chosen a path that doesn't edify us, it doesn't edify the body, and it doesn't cling to what this word says. The other thing that we've done is we've allowed the light to be smothered by good intentions that were never realized. See, it's one thing for us to say we want to win the community to Jesus. It's another thing to do it. It's another thing to put that into action. Listen, when Beth and I were, were um, going through the planning process, most of our conversations, as we talked about what we wanted to do, it, it turned more to, okay, we want to do this. How do we make sure that as a corporate body that this continues to be a part of who we are. It becomes a part of the DNA of the church. Because if you have one or two people who are driving a mission and that's it, when something happens to those one or two people, the mission dies. And you see it so often in churches, in ministries, in homes, right? When one partner loses the faith, they lose the, 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 uh, um, the tenacity to keep that marriage, whatever it is, right? All of a sudden, there's a death that takes place. And in our own lives, I think what we've done is we have fed the things that God has wanted us to kill. Now, maybe we haven't fed them openly. Maybe we've fed them in secret. But we've allowed ourselves to do this. And so I want, you to, I want you to think of it this way. How many people in your daily encounters of your life, in your job, where you go, what you do, your family, how many of them know that you believe in and serve King Jesus? Now, I'm not asking you how many of them know that you go to church. I don't care about that, okay? I'm not asking you how many of you have told them how you showed up to this event or invited them to an event or what I want to know and I want you to begin thinking about this. Do the people in your life that you encounter every day, do they know that you serve Jesus? See, because we have gotten caught up in the concept of God and don't get me wrong, I'm all for God and right, the Trinity, right? I'm, I'm all there, okay? But, but when people hear God, they don't understand what you mean by the word God. See, some of them just see that as a higher power. Some of them see it as someone, whatever it may be. We need to get back to the point where we're telling people about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the one who came. He died. He took our sins and he rose from the dead so that we could live a life connected to the Father, right? When we forsake Jesus and we forsake, listen, we, we begin to compartmentalize so many things of our life. And so I want you to begin thinking about this. How many of the regulars in your life, the people that you encounter in a regular situation, how many of them would find this to be a new revelation if they heard you say, I believe in Jesus? Or that I pray to Jesus? See, we have, to, we have to get to a point that we are so outward uh, uh, expressive about what Jesus has done for us. Now, I'm not telling you, you have to go to these people and you need to start quoting this. 
I'm, I'm not, that's, this is not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to speak from this, right? I'm telling you to speak from your heart. But let me talk to you about the, this problem, this segmented life, okay? Because what this does is it brings this uh, segmented reality. If you can throw out my hideous graphic, okay? Bethany, are you okay? You gonna make it? I used, uh, I used Arial font. Um, I know, you, I know it's not, a, it wasn't Comic Sans, so that should help. Uh, um, or papyrus, I know you hate papyrus too, so um, I want to talk about the segmented life because this is, this is what I saw, this visual, okay? Um, this is how most of our lives are bucketed. Now, maybe this doesn't cover everything. Maybe there's some things like, um, you know, maybe you're not a huge sports fanatic like me. Okay, you guys know I know nothing about sports. Um, so maybe there's something else there. But you start looking at things like sports, politics, finances, social life, family, work, faith. In a lot of people's lives, faith is a sliver of the pie. Now, I think, to be quite honest with you, I'm being incredibly generous by giving faith that much for most people, Right? That's, that's, listen, I'm just saying it's all evil. I cheer for Jesus just as much as I cheer for my sports team. Some of you guys are like, uh, maybe not. Um, right, it, it, we, I, I'm, I'm as passionate about Jesus as I am my politician. Ooh. Um, I'm just gonna stop reading them because I think I'm gonna get in trouble. Uh, so if you look at this, what happens is we've allowed faith to become a part of our life but not to be integrated fully, completely, to be what our life is about. See, we've allowed it to take pieces of our lives and to be there. And too many of us, we look like this. We've got all our spots. We've got everything where they belong. God forbid, this is where it gets really dangerous, if any of those triangles should start bleeding over into the other one. I've literally heard people say this about, maybe not faith, I, I can say it about different things, sports and politics, right? People get really fired up when people from the sports start talking about politics or, or people from politics start to, like everyone's like, whoa, this is bad, right? That's what happens. Well, we do the exact same thing with faith. See, we have been conditioned to believe that faith has to stay in its cubbyhole. Listen, you guys, you guys are safe. You are allowed to go um, serve your Jesus and go to your churches on Sunday mornings and sometimes there's a weird church on Saturday nights, okay? You guys are allowed to do that. You're fine. I don't want to hear about it. You can't talk to me about it. You can't invite me to anything. You can't do anything because that's bad. It's bad to do. And what, what I think happens so often that feeds into this is we find ourselves, listen, the Holy Spirit within you despises this. I believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit inside of you despises this segmentation and placing him into this spot over in the corner and saying, Holy Spirit, I, I, I give you this, but I'm gonna, this is, this is kind of, I got this, right? We, we, we have done this for too long in our lives and we haven't allowed faith to be an integrated part of who we are. And what, what I think is that um, there's this perception that exists, okay? Uh, because if we start thinking about those issues that are gonna happen, right? If you think about, I want you to think back to a time that you began feeling the Holy Spirit to prompt you to speak about your faith in Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think about a time where you didn't act on it, okay? I have, I have plenty of them in my brain, okay? So don't feel bad and be like, well, I've always, you know, and don't also tell me, I've always listened to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> don't do that, please, come on. 
we're all messed up, right? We're all trying to do this right. Um, and if you're like, no, um, just come talk to me. And the last time you were at our house, I'll probably tell you something that you probably should have done differently. <laughs> right? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, but there's this perception that if these lines start getting blurred, it's going to cause problems. And I want you to understand this. When you, when you were faced with that opportunity, right, that opportunity to move on something that you felt that God was leading you into, what did you hear about that idea? Typically, what you'll hear about that idea is, it's probably not the right time, or they probably don't want to talk to me right now, or I'm super busy, or they're really, really busy, and they honestly, they, they probably don't even want to hear it, and honestly, I don't even know enough to say anything to them about it, and um, I've really, uh, I really don't know them that well. I mean, I know them, but I don't know them, you know, like I went to school with them, but I don't really fully understand who they are, and, and maybe that would be weird, and maybe it would be awkward because someone said they're by themselves, and I don't want them to feel cornered and pressured, and all these different things. When have you ever thought to yourself, wow, what if God wants to change their life right now? See, we listen to every other, and listen, I'm telling you, the reason I could spit all those off is because I've heard every single one of them in my own story, in my own life. Guys, I, I've told you before that I go and I meet so many different people. Um, uh, Friday afternoon, I was sitting down and I was eating uh, lunch with a guy. Um, he lives in Nebraska, I think it was. I don't remember where it was. It was somewhere crazy. Um, and... Uh, uh, he was like, man, why in the world are you flying out like so late? He's like, just stay another night. Like just fly, fly home Saturday afternoon. That's what I'm doing. We're, we're going to go play golf or we're going to go do whatever it is. And I was like, well, um, I, I want to get home early because I've got church Saturday night because um, uh, I pastor a church. And he was like, what does that mean? You pastor a church. He's like, does that mean you, you like talk to people? And I was like, yeah, man, like that's. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the, it's like the number one thing that I get most excited about. All the other stuff is hard. Like that's, this is the easy stuff, right? Um, and, uh, um, and just had this conversation with him, right? And just continued, and we continue to talk about our mission and who we are and what we do and what we want to do and how we want to grow and all these different things. Great conversation, great conversation. But see, too often we're listening to the voice that says, okay, when he says, um, uh, well, why don't you just stick around and stay? We're like, nah, I'm good. I just... Just want to go home. Don't talk to them about the fact that you got a church and don't talk to them about um, you want to be uh, generous to your community and you want to serve them and you want to do, don't, don't, don't tell them all that because guess what? I heard all that. I heard all that. We have to start listening for the Holy Spirit, right? We have to start listening to the Holy Spirit because what the Holy Spirit won't say to you is they don't really want to hear from you. <laughs> Holy Spirit's going to be like, go get them, <laughs> Right? Give them some Jesus. And see, we are missing this because we're trying to keep things in these lines, right? These, these, these lines that really just create completely different versions of who you are. And if you say, oh, no, um, I know many, many people, and I'm going to go back to it, and I, man, I, I can get in a lot of trouble for going back to this, but I know a lot of people who, are, uh, who the piece of their pie that might be a little bit bigger is the sports piece of their pie. And I've gone to sports events with some of these people, and they will lose their minds. Um, lose their minds, okay? Like, com like, going to town. And I'll be honest with you, I love that. Like, that's fun for me. It's engaging. But then I'll watch that exact same person, and they come, and it'll be like, stand up for worship, and they'll be like. It's just the God of the universe. 
right? I mean, like, here we have something to be more excited about than we should ever be excited, and we are just dumbed down by it, guys. We're missing the fact that this is Jesus who came down from heaven to save us, to give us life, to give us joy, to give us all of these things, and we're... It's wrong. It's wrong. And listen, he, there is something so rich about being passionately excited about Jesus because what it does is it emboldens everything that you want to do for him. Listen, if you right now, if you've got something in your heart, something in your spirit that you feel like God has always wanted you to do, you know what you need to do to make that a reality? You need to get excited about Jesus because as soon as you get excited about Jesus, all these ideas, all these visions, all these, they will come alive. Let me tell you what happens with Beth and I. When we start feeling down, when we start struggling, we start having moments, you know what we start thinking about? Everything that we want to do for Jesus. And we start thinking about how great he is and how great he's been to us and how generous he's been to us. Even when it's looked wrong and it's looked bad and it's looked like we've been dealt the wrong hand, we get excited about Jesus and it changes our perspective. We need to get excited about who Jesus is. We need to get excited about who he is for us. And we know, what's funny about this is you look at all these different versions of maybe yourself that exists. We know that the word tells us, right, in James, that a a double-minded man is unstable, right? Right? We're incredibly unstable. I talked to you about balance a few weeks ago, right? And we're so imbalanced with the things of God. We put so much more priority on things that, guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're going to miss that marathon of that great show, Well, first off, it's on Netflix, okay? You can watch it later. (laughs) Secondly, it doesn't matter. What are we missing out on? What are we not driving into? What are we not experiencing? What souls are not going to reach heaven's gates shouting because we're consumed with one of these other spots, right? So I want you to think about this because some of you feel instability in your life. Some of you feel, feel that instability where you're, you, you can't just figure out why you keep getting tossed back and forth and, and you, can't, you can't get your mind straight and you can't figure things out. Listen, I, I, want, I want you to think about this as a possible scenario. You may be struggling because of all this segmentation in your life. That you're trying to put a priority to every single thing and let, let me just be honest with you, you can't do that in life. Everything cannot be at the exact same level of priority. But I want to talk to you now about the integrated life, okay? About having integrated faith. One of the things that I do in my job that I really um, uh, enjoy and I get to do is I work with companies all across, um, not only America, uh, but even into other countries, and I integrate them into what we're doing as a company. Um, and when I say I, I mean my team, because I can't do any of this stuff. Um, I just have big ideas and big dreams, okay? And when it comes to integrations, the hardest part about being integrated is the beginning, okay? It's the beginning. Because all the work to get it set up, to get it done, but when you start talking about living a life with integrated faith, I believe it looks a whole lot more like this, okay? And let me explain, explain why. So um, the company that I just worked with, I just worked on a, a, a significant project, okay? It, it really big for our industry. Everyone's really excited about it. It's, it's a lot of fun. But it was a ton of work up front, 
right? It's a ton of work up front. We had to figure out what they wanted. We had to figure out what we wanted. We had to, we had to learn a lot about each other. We had to figure out processes. We had to do all this thing. But you know what's funny is once we got integrated, it was done. It was there. We were, we've, got a, we've got a direct connection to, one each other, to each other, and everything that we do flows back and forth. We're completely integrated. That's what needs to happen with our faith. See, every, everything that comes out from us, our work, our health, our sports, our politics, our finances, our social life, our family, whatever, fill in whatever you want for your story, okay? It needs to be connected to our faith, Direct, that is the source of everything that you should be encountering and experiencing. So you'll notice here that on this, I did my best attempt of creating dotted lines. <laughs> uh, it was really, it was, you have no idea what I went through to create this. I hope you guys love it. Uh, Beth's going to blow them up on posters. You can hang them at your house. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> but the idea is that, see, faith should be ingrained in every bit of this. There shouldn't be any walls to keep it from there. Now, I'm not saying there isn't elements of wisdom where maybe you don't go um, directly into the CEO's office and say, you're dying and you're going to go to hell. He might call the cops <laughs> or she might call the cops. I'm not saying you might not be called to have that conversation. Don't get me wrong. But I, I believe this is more of what our life is supposed to look like completely integrated with the fact of what this book tells us, what we've been called to live out with, this is what we're supposed to do. And see, I think God is desiring us to allow him to be integrated, not into one slice of our lives, but to be fully immersed and fully integrated into everything that we do. You see how faith is literally this central part of everything? This is what we're getting wrong. We're allowing it to be a piece of who we are, but we're not allowing to drive who we are. See, we talk about being a peculiar people, a holy nation, but we find ourselves submitting to cultural expectations, what everyone else tells us we should do. Listen to people tell us to stay in our lane, shut up, don't bring it up, don't talk about it, we don't wanna hear it. I want you to understand something. We are the children of God. We are the children, listen, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, we are children of God. We have access to the throne. You have the, as much access as I do, as anyone else in this space has. We have access to the throne of God and we are forsaking that fact by ignoring the fact that we are children of the most high. That is who we are, okay? That is who we are. We're backing down because of rules, because of expectations, because of fears, and we're retreating to our safe little cubby holes. And honestly, the church itself has become one of those safe little cubby holes. If we only experience Jesus here, we got it wrong. We need to live it out there with everyone that we encounter everyone we see. Are we living a life that's fully integrated with the Holy Spirit, guiding and directing us, or we have, shoved, have we shoved him into his spot to make sure that he doesn't mess with anything else, right? I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. <clears throat> we, we are called, listen, we are called to live this faithful life in everything that we do. 
And some of us have fallen victim to this trap of believing that we can't or we're not allowed to or whatever it is, right? And, you know, and when it comes to you, and I want you to hear this for yourself directly. I don't want you to hear this. I, listen, a lot, of people, a lot of people will hear a message and the whole time they'll listen to it and they'll be like, my husband has got to get this. <laughs> or my wife, or my kids, or my sister, or the guy right in front of me, or the guy with all the hair over there, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> they need to get that, right? I want you to look inward. I want you to think about yourself in your own situation. Because we have got to stop segmenting the Holy Spirit. We have got to stop allowing the Holy Spirit to work in this portion of our life, but he's closed off from the rest. We gotta stop hiding the Holy Spirit. Listen, I feel like so many of us are guilty of hiding the Holy Spirit when we get around people. And you feel, when you feel the Holy Spirit nudging at your heart and you begin to suppress that, listen, we gotta we got stop hiding. We gotta stop ignoring him. We gotta stop working around him. Sometimes we're going the long way because we know what the Holy Spirit wants us to do and we're like, we're gonna go this way. <laughs> and we need to let him be fully integrated into the life that he has given you. See, we are holding on to pieces of ourselves that he wants to completely disrupt. Can I tell you about Jesus? Jesus was incredibly disruptive. <laughs> I love that word to describe him, disruptive. Well, if you look at his life, and you look, Bethany and I, uh, you, you guys know we've been reading through the word um, from beginning to end. Thank God we finally got to the red letters. Um, it's been so hard. Um, I told you a few weeks ago that we were in a tough spot going, this is a lot to take in. Um, and yes, I can say that. I'm real, guys. I'm, uh, I'm still figuring these things out. But we, got, we get into these red words, and you just read how Jesus approached things. And honestly, if we tried to approach him even half as disruptive as he did, people would think we were insane. And you know what he did, right? He modeled it for us. <laughs> he modeled it for us. And you know what we've said? Yeah, man, be cool to be like Jesus. Well, just be like Jesus, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's there, right? And what pieces are you holding on to that he's wanting to completely disrupt? What addictions, what struggles, what sins, what relationships, what pride, what jealousy, I don't care what it is, we need to let him in. We need to let the Holy Spirit do the work that he was intended to do. He's supposed to comfort, he's supposed to empower you, right? And we are walking outside of the power of God because we've got him shoved into a corner and we only wanna reach out to him when we need a healing, when we need a word, or whatever it is.